What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Up Before You podcast with me, Connor Warman. This episode of the Up Before You podcast is brought to you by our friends and fellow CrossFitters at Stono Creek Apothecary. If you're into your health, and especially if you're into your fitness, you've been hearing a lot about CBD lately. From inflammation and pain relief to improved sleep, lower anxiety, and faster recovery times, CBD is touted as the biggest wellness breakthrough of the last several years, and increasingly so. Nowadays, you can find CBD in literally everything, from gummies to lattes. You can buy it at the doctor's office, the local grocery, and even the corner gas station. But all this hype can leave people scratching their heads. Is CBD for real? And which brand can I trust? At Sono Creek, you can be sure that all of the CBD products are made to the highest of standards from seed to shelf. This means everything is manufactured in their FDA-registered laboratory located near the Stono River on Johns Island, South Carolina. That's right, folks. It's a real place, and it's not your neighbor's kitchen. All the CBD is CO2 extracted from hemp grown in the U.S. of A. on sustainable, pesticide-free farms. Each finished batch is third-party tested for potency, purity, and stability. And all the products are fully labeled and disclose every single ingredient that goes into them. If you haven't tried Stono Creek yet, you can now get 10% off your first order when you use code UPBEFOREYOU on their website, scapothecary.com. That's S-C-A-P-O-T-H-E-C-A-R-Y.com, code up before you. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter so that you can be the first to learn about the launch of the new topicals line, including recovery baths, body oils, solves, and more. Guys, concert and game season is just around the corner, and the timing is perfect for those of you listening who want to plan your spring and summer events. We've teamed up with Ticket Weirdo to make buying tickets this season super affordable. Ticket Weirdo is the only ticket site that doesn't charge you hidden fees and also donates a portion of your purchase to charity. Check them out by simply going to TicketWeirdo.com and entering promo code UBY. That's UBY during checkout to save an extra 10% off unlimited ticket purchases throughout the year. And to keep it weird this season. Now guys, if you have a moment, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave a 5-star rating and a review. It only takes a second and is a great way to support the show, and the feedback means a lot to me. If you like this episode of the podcast, please share with family and friends and share via social media and make sure to tag up before you. And lastly, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook and visit upbeforeyou.com to keep up to date with all the latest episodes, news, and updates surrounding the show. Okay, my guest today is Nikki Brazier. <laughs> Nikki is a CrossFit sideline reporter who also co-hosts the Make Pods Great Again podcast with John Woolley. Nikki easily broke the record for the most curse words you used during one of my podcasts, but she was absolutely hilarious and it was a lot of fun having the opportunity to talk to her on the show. On this episode of the podcast, we talk about her career as a news reporter, how she got into CrossFit, how she got into CrossFit sideline reporting, some of the best stories she had the opportunity to cover on the news, some of her best moments on the sidelines of the CrossFit games, and much, much more. I truly hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And with all that being said, let's get on with the show. So can we start off? Can you tell me a little bit about yourself growing up? Like right now? Yeah. Yeah, I sure can. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm from Boston. I grew up in Boston. Um, I didn't go far. I like ended up uh, in downtown for school and I studied 
journalism. I was a print journalism major at first, and then I transferred into the broadcast programs. I used to write for newspapers and things, and they were dying all around me. So I was like, well, shit. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, you can say whatever okay. you want. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said that. I should have asked that first. Um, but yeah, so I, I transferred into the broadcast program, figuring um, if I studied that type of journalism, they would teach me how to do video and multimedia and all of that stuff, as well as how to write. Um, so I ended up doing that. And I was a TV news journalist for a really long time. And that sort of parlayed into the reporting I do for CrossFit. And then fast forward, news was kind of just overwhelming and dying in and of itself and not what I wanted it to be for me. And so now I work in marketing and advertising and just do the CrossFit thing on the side. So backing up, did you play? Any, did you play sports growing up? Yeah, so I played. I did. I played. Um, I played volleyball and soccer growing up with my dad and my brother. And they they both played both sports as well. So we would all sort of like play together, and we all wore the same number. We all always wore thirteen in all the sports we played. So it was kind of like all in the family. But really, my like main sport and I use air quotes because not a lot of people call it a sport was dance. So I was with the Boston ballet for 11 years and I danced like pretty seriously all through my childhood, high school and in college I was a dance minor and I ran the dance company at my, at my college. And that was sort of like my big thing before I got into anything else. I was in a dance. Why do people say that's not a sport? I don't know. It's like harder than anything else. Right? Yeah. Like, I've heard it's very hard. To do that it's kind definitely, of stuff. yeah. It's like you know, I think it's kind of similar to CrossFit. Like you're really pushing your body in ways that only that specific sport can ask you to. It's just with dance, like with with CrossFit, it's all uh, functional movement, right? So it's like, yeah, it's a really heavy squat, but like your body's ergonomically designed to squat. With dance, is the complete opposite. It's like, how far can we rotate your hips out of their <laughs> fucking sockets where they're supposed to be? Or like, you know, my my shin bones like literally grew like twisted. Cause I danced so much when I was a kid. It's like when my feet point out to the side, my kneecaps point to the front. But when my feet point forward, my kneecaps point in. It's very strange. That's weird. It's not supposed, yeah. to, it's not supposed to happen That's that way. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were like growing up, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, so I, I, for a, a minute, I guess I wanted to be a ballerina, but really, truly, this is going to sound so stupid. And like Miss America, I really wanted to be a journalist. Like I really wanted to be a reporter and I truly thought and still think, even though like our world is completely fucked up right now, I truly <laughs> think that, um, being a reporter and being a watchdog on our society and bringing news and information to people is one of the most important jobs in the world. It's just, no one really has the opportunity to like do it right because we're, you know, we're all corrupted and we're all, you know, looking for the next salacious story and all that gnarly stuff. But the ethos behind what it really could be and what I always wanted it to be was truly what I wanted to do with my life. And, and honestly, when I left news, it was so sad because mm -hmm. I left, I left after a period of time had gone by where I recognized that I hadn't produced a piece of journalism that I was really proud of. And that like crushed my soul. I had been just, you know, churning out stories as fast as I could and going on assignments to like car accidents and houses on fire. And it was tragic and awful and not, I didn't have time to tell good stories. And I don't mean just good news, but I mean like 
important shit that people mm-hmm. needed to know about, like, and have time to like explain like the new healthcare system because I had 45 seconds where I needed to like show the road rash of someone who just like ruined their lives on their motorcycle. It was awful. Mm-hmm. It was, it got really bad. Now, when you were like a little girl dreaming of this job, what did you think it was going to be like? And then what was it actually like when you got into it? You know, college did a pretty good job preparing me. So like when I was little, I thought it was going to be like glamorous and like people would know me and like respect me for all the interesting things I had helped them learn. Um, And then college did a decent job preparing me, honestly, because it was harsh and brutal and in college my professors were like you're not gonna make any money you're gonna be up at the worst hours you're gonna move to like east bumfuck somewhere because like no one starts in a big city you kind of like start somewhere small and then you move and then you move um and you're gonna be on your own because i was an mmj a multimedia journalist so i i shot all my own video and edited all my own video and ran my own live shots i didn't have like a crew i didn't have a photog or anything like that um and it was rough but but they they sort of like prepped me and I was like, that's fine. It's worth it. Like this life is worth it. This job is worth it. Um, and it certainly was for a couple years. And then it just sort of was supposed to get better. And I was supposed to move up the ranks and have more ability, you know, have more help, have more time, have more resources to tell better stories. And that never really happened. And I'm, I'm glad I got out of it before I did before the fake news era took over because <laughs> I don't, I don't honestly think I could handle it right now. Have you seen how I met your mother? No, everyone asks me that. <laughs> I got to watch it. Just cause the way you're describing your news job is like a character in the show. That's what I hear. So. <laughs> it's, it must be like very true to real life because that's, that's real right there. <laughs> so in your time covering the news, what was like, the favorite story that you did or that you covered? I will say like, I got to do a bunch of really cool shit that, that was really like being part of the news media before, like everybody hated media was actually pretty rad. It wasn't glamorous, but I did have opportunities that never would have otherwise been afforded to me. So like, I'll never forget this. One of my last stories that I did here in Rhode Island I got to go to like the air show that the Mm -hmm. blue angels were in and like all the news outlets sponsored parts of it and whatever. So I got to go up in a trick jet, you know, like the little Mm -hmm. jet was like you, I was sitting in front, the guy was sitting behind me. We're like on headset with each other. Yeah. And he like took me up in the air and like went like backwards in a circle and then did like barrel rolls like left and right. And I mean, I threw up everywhere, but it was so Did you actually? (laughs) I totally did. I totally did. But that was rad. And then obviously, like I told, I got to tell really cool, compelling stories. And one of the first news stories I ever, ever did, this was um, in the middle of nowhere in Maine, was uh, a story of a a fire captain who they had gotten, the fire department got called to to a scene. And on their way, the fire captain had a heart attack in the um, fire truck. And so all of those people that were going to like go fight a fire had to stop and help one of their own which is scary in and of itself but mm-hmm. he ended up like flatlining completely his heart stopped and they brought him back to life and it was like just the the most emotional story to do they do that you know full time but they had to mm-hmm. do it for one of their own and it was like the week before christmas and like you know haul out the kleenex and that was mm-hmm. like a really cool like interesting little hometown story that i got to tell and it was important to the people who were affected by it mm-hmm. so yeah. that was that was really neat too yeah. That's really cool. And then with that being said, what's like the weirdest story you've ever had to do? 
Oh my God. So <laughs> there are so many weird ones. Um, you know that, um, have you ever heard of the Shriner clowns? Like the no. Shriner hospital, they like take care of, um, they take care of kids, a lot of like burn victims. Wait, and it's a really cl- lovely clowns. Uh, clowns. Yeah. It's a, it's a okay. hospital for children and, and a clown's group for children is charitable or whatever, but they're um, very well known. And they, they like made me up like a clown once, <laughs> like straight up did my new story, like full face clown makeup, red nose on my nose. <laughs> I'll do what I gotta do to tell the story, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so you were like, time. did you have anybody like reach out and say, okay, I saw you on the news. Like, why were you dressed as a clown? I mean, no. I mean, it was pretty obvious why at the time. <laughs> no, it was, I got to do, when I, before I came to, I was in Rhode Island for a few years and I was in Maine for a few years. And in Maine, I got to do a lot more like community stuff. So mm-hmm. it was more like funny silly things like that like looking back i'm like i can't believe i fucking did that on television um but it was cool at the time so you lived in maine for a while yeah what does one do in maine it's a great question Uh, it's not a lot (laughs) (laughs) i was i was a couple hours north of portland so we were really outside of the city and since i grew up in boston it was way weird for me uh definitely a culture shock like small town small town life but i ended up loving it there's mm-hmm. not a lot there's nature which is cool like a lot of hiking and you know swimming in the summer and beaches and mountains are both close by so that was cool i mean there was really only crossfit so i got into crossfit mm-hmm. are there bears up there <laughs> are there what bears oh yeah oh yeah there's lots of bears that's cool yeah and like moose on the roads and stuff you have really? to be really careful yeah that's cool yeah. And like scary. That's like a whole new world, a different world. It's bizarre. If you haven't been, I highly recommend. Everyone should experience it. Uh So then before you found CrossFit, kind of switching gears here, what were you doing for fitness? Like what did your workouts, were you working out at all? Like what were you doing? Yeah, so I was a Les Mills instructor. So I think like leaving the dance world in college and getting into the fitness world sort of led me into group training and group classes Mm because I've always just liked that kind of thing. So I was a Les Mills instructor for a little while, um, which is like teaching group fitness with like the early 90s Britney Spears like microphone on the side of my... Yeah, what is that that you're talking about? So Les Mills is a, a larger organization that... Uh, certifies people in a whole bunch of different classes that you've probably seen at your local globo gym. So they're like body pump, body flow, body, this body, that I taught a class called Shabam, which was their version of Zumba. So again, like I came from a dance background and it was like dance fitness. Um, it was pretty cool. And then I was just like a regular gym person. Like all of us, I think I do like 20 minutes of cardio and then like, you know, half an hour of upper body and half an hour of lower body. And then I would go home and eat a pizza. And it was just, it was just regular stuff. And it got so boring, you know? So then when did it change and when did you find CrossFit? So I, I started CrossFit when the small town I was living in in Maine opened a CrossFit gym and I actually covered it as a new story because in small town Maine, a new business in downtown is a story. And um, I knew the girl who was opening it and I had sort of tried it out in college once before, but it just wasn't really conducive to my lifestyle back then. So she opened it and we started going and I, I think I was probably only doing it for like six or seven months before I thought about coaching Mm -hmm. and I, I truly only thought about getting into coaching because it had affected me so positively. Like I just, I looked better. I felt better. It was, it was 
just amazing in my own mm-hmm. life. So I, I really wanted to like be an evangelist for this sport. And then at the beginning, I only wanted to coach on rampers because mm-hmm. I like wanted to like spread the gospel of CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously after a while I ended up coaching everyone, but I've, I've now been coaching since 2011. So it's, it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. So what got you hooked on CrossFit in the first place? I mean, it was just, well, like you said, like, what is there to do? Right. So <laughs> something new, it was something new to do. Um, I was friends with a girl who was opening it. And so I figured I would give it a shot. My husband and I signed up together. He was back then just my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And it, it like, honestly, it quickly took over because we saw results so fast. We were like, holy shit, like, look at that muscle definition or like, there's the 10 pounds I always wanted to lose. And, and it just became like a, like, oh, wow, this is really working for us. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the community had had a huge part to play in that. And some of our best friends in the world, we met at that one little hometown gym, like almost 10 years ago, which mm-hmm. is wild. And, you know, then I fell into coaching and fell in love with helping others achieve the same goals that I had. And it's sort of stuck around since then. Yeah. So what do you love so much about coaching? It's just so, it's just so like invigorating to watch people and help people achieve their goals. And like, I just don't, and sometimes, I mean, I'm like, what are my words right now? (laughs) Goals are so subjective. Like I think it is so cool to watch someone deadlift a car but I also think it is so cool to see someone get to the point in their physical abilities where they can like pick up their kids if they've never been able to do that again or do that before or like take all the groceries upstairs in one one trip Mm -hmm. like both of those things are just so cool to me. I like being a part of that. And I like, obviously I like telling people stories and like hearing them too. So listening to their goals and figuring out a way to help them get to wherever they want to get to in life is just, it's cool. It like, it gives me life if you will. Yeah. I almost, I almost think it's cooler to like see other people achieve their goals than it is like achieve your own. Totally. Sometimes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I find that a lot, especially in the open. Mm-hmm. Like I can have a really yeah. shitty open wad and sometimes it, you know, that feeling kind of like sticks with you because you're like, oh, I just, I just wanted to do better. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times those scenarios are like, all right, I'll go you and you judge me and then you go and I'll judge you. And I find even if I have a really shitty performance, the second I turn around to judge someone else, it's like gone because I'm, I'm in it for them. And like, that's really important all of a sudden. And it, that's a cool feeling. Mm-hmm. So then how did you get the job with CrossFit? It's so funny. It was a long time ago um, before CrossFit was really a thing. They posted on their Facebook. They -hmm. were like, hey, do you know about broadcast? But also do you know about CrossFit? Send us your reel. And I was like, yeah, I know, I know about both of those things actually. And, um, anyone who works in news or works on camera back then had a reel. It was like a DVD of your best work, like a highlight, like here's me at the city hall and here's me at the police station and whatever. (laughs) Um, so I, I was like, yeah, shit, I, I do that. Both of those things. So I sent my, I sent my reel in and actually I remember it was the first time I had ever uploaded anything to YouTube. Like YouTube was brand new. It was the first time I had ever sent it to someone that didn't send a DVD. So that's how old I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, yeah, I I heard from Sean. He emailed me like two weeks later. I'm sure he had a stack of 
emails to go through and he picked me. So he was like, do you want to come to regionals? It was the mid Atlantic regional. I think it was 2013 or 2014. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of spiraled from there, mm-hmm. gotten bigger and bigger every year. So before that, were you like looking for any opportunities to get involved in the CrossFit space? Not really, honestly. Like I was just, I just had my news job and it was kind of, great some days and really shitty some days and I was coaching a lot because I was working I was a morning news reporter at that time so I would go to work at 3 30 in the morning and I'd work until one and then I'd coach from 3 30 in the afternoon until like 7 30 at night so it was it was a lot and I mm-hmm. think I was looking for something to shake it up but no I mean until I saw that call on the Facebook, mm-hmm. I had, I didn't even know I could get involved. I mm-hmm. know they, they were broadcasting and the broadcast was so young at the time they were still building it up. So I didn't even know what the capabilities were. So then what was that first experience at regionals? Like, like what did they do to like, co- like teach you, like coach you about what to do? Nothing. nothing. <laughs> they did nothing. Just here's the microphone. Like just go. Basically. So what was funny was like, I, I, my first year, I wasn't sidelined and I didn't do live reporting. I was like, my task was to do this, like these interviews and stuff that were pre-recorded, and they were kind of like we called them in the can and they would feed them back to HQ and they would kind of like roll them into the after show and things like that. But no, I don't think they like knew I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, like it was just, it was new and people didn't really talk to one another. So I got there and they were like, well, we already have a sideline reporter. It wasn't me. And then we have this other girl, Nikki, like, what are we supposed to do? So like, I had to like find someone with a camera to like walk around with me and like do these interviews. And it was kind of messy if I can be honest, but it was still like cool and exciting. And I was floored to even be there. And, and it was really neat to like get to know the athletes start to get to know the athletes mm-hmm. um and then the next year when I got called back I kind of just no one said anything so I assumed I was doing the same thing but I was like I totally got a handle on it now like now I know what I'm doing I know what to ask for I know who to ask for it it's awesome and then I got there and they were like hey you're sideline and I was like what <laughs> what <laughs> like that's great but like was anyone gonna tell me so we just I mean it was a learning experience for everyone and everybody grew the broadcast collectively over the Mm -hmm. course of like the last five or six years so it really started from this kind of like I don't really know what we're doing to the machine that it was up until um you know the media scene changed last year so then like when you were walking around doing like the interviews in that first year was CrossFit telling you what to ask people or were you like coming it up with up with it on your own with a lot of it on my own but also um we uh, the people that I was working with helped me develop storylines so like they knew some things about the athletes that I didn't know and I like learned some things about them that they didn't know so like we knew going into it that um you know uh Ben Smith had already been crossfitting for a while and he was a big deal so I, I had sort of like a series of questions I had come up with for him if he was winning about that like I knew that um there were a couple like married couples that we wanted mm-hmm. to talk to who were both on the competition floors. Yeah. We had some background info like that. That has since changed. I mean, the amount of studying and it's, it's really stalking the amount mm-hmm. of stalking that we do of these athletes now before we hit an event is like night and day. Like I know 
everything about, I've got note cards and flashcards and I know what they lift and how they train and where they're from and are they married and what they like to eat for breakfast. Like the, the uh, sophistication that we've gotten to that level of sophistication is night and day from where we were when we started. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's kind of scary all the information you can find on people. Like, cause like when I'll do a podcast, like I'll find out a lot of things about them. And with Instagram, especially like you can get down to like people's day to day. Oh yeah. Which is like kind of freaky, but uh-huh. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. But then I'll be like, you know, sometimes it'll be really benign and be like, oh, you did really well in this event, you know, um, in this swim event, but obviously you were a college swimmer. So like, how did that help prepare you? But sometimes you're right. It's like, I see you had oatmeal this morning. <laughs> Do you feel like that <laughs> pushed you over the edge on this event? <laughs> So, like, in CrossFit, do you ever get shot down or, like, hey, I want to talk to such and such? And they're like, no, like, such and such doesn't want to talk to you or, yes, or so not right now. <laughs> that shit used to happen a lot more. I think that what happened – we have, like, the weirdest sports. What happened is, like, a bunch of people got really good at working out in their garages. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden we, like, put them on camera. And they don't fucking know. Like, they're just people who got good at working out. Like, mm-hmm. that – it wasn't really this, like – you know, sophisticated, laid out sport with a broadcast and with a collective group that likes to watch. So at first it was actually really hard. It was hard getting information out of them. People are awkward on camera. They didn't want to deal with me. They were like, I just came to work out now. I need to like go eat a sweet potato. Like they, they didn't want to deal. Yeah. Um, and it has gotten so much better. And obviously now that we're way more in the spotlight, like people have sponsors that they need to represent and people have their own brands that they're trying to build. And so they're much more apt to be on camera with me and be kind <laughs> and sweet. Uh-huh. Um, but it's come a long way. There was a few points in time where I really wanted to host like athlete reporter boot camp because yeah. Like you guys don't know what you're doing and, and you're only hurting yourself. Like the people love you and they want to hear from you and they want to hear your stories and your sponsors want you out there. Like you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't come on camera with me, mm-hmm. but some of them still hate it. Some of them feel very uncomfortable in the spotlight. Yeah. Huh. That's surprising now, especially because it's like become such a big sport. Yeah. It's kind of surprising, I guess. So, you turn that little red light on and like everything <laughs> changes. You know what I mean? True. Like some people just yeah. get really it's tense. Re- it's really weird, but it, it does take a long time to get used to it. I will say that yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so like when you run out there after someone wins a workout and like you do the interview, is it ever like awkward when they're like out of breath and like you ask them a question, they can't talk. Yeah. Sometimes it's really rough and I don't like, I have a very limited amount of time. Like my uh-huh. window is short in the live broadcast and we can't just like be on for as long as we want. Like we're timed to the millisecond. So sometimes I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so tired. But like, just can you just stand up can you just say something (laughs) please just stand up with me or like um back when we were in Carson it was harder it's easier in Madison but in Carson I would be like set up on one corner of the field only and sometimes the lanes would be really really far away on the other side and I would I have volunteers that work with me that help like wrangle the athletes and sometimes they'd have to like run like they'd finish an event and fall over and throw up or whatever. And I'd be like, cool. I'm so sorry, but can you like hustle over here, please? Like get, we got to run. Cause we got 30 seconds. We got to ask you these yeah. questions. So just pick your shit up. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And you've been to both venues. Which one do you like better Carson or Madison? I don't know. I think, um, I think I like Madison more. It's, is such a cool layout and the whole town is so welcoming. There's so many cool things to do. Um, and it's, 
the weather is better. I mean, yeah. Carson was, had you ever been to Carson before? No. Where is Carson? It's in Southern California. It's near the beach cities, like near Manhattan beach. Okay. And it's really cool. It's a really, you know, I love being in SoCal. Obviously I live on the East coast. So any excuse to get out there is great. Mm-hmm. But like, I, there's no word I can use to describe accurately how hot it was. Like it was like melting on the surface of the sun. And it was just, I mean, yeah. green 2016, I think was, or 2015, no, 2016, we had like a handful of athletes pull out of the games because of heat stroke. It was that like the Murphy or whatever. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, Cara, Cara Saunders, or Cara Webb was like running in like a zombie. Like she doesn't even remember running into the stadium. We pulled her yeah. out on a stretcher. It was insane. Yeah. That's crazy. And like yeah. Annie like passed out or something too. Yeah, right. yeah, it was it was wild. So um, Madison's better in, in that respect. <laughs> and like, I would like sweat through my clothes. Like, we would the whole media team plays a game at the end of the weekend. Just who smells the worst? <laughs> it's usually me. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned the media shakeup that happened a year ago. How, like, what did you think about that, and how did that affect you? It was tough. So I, I freelance only with, with HQ. So, um, it didn't directly affect me in that, like, I didn't have a full-time job with them and then I didn't. Um, but the people who hired me and who ran everything and who put everything together year over year, um, they did lose their jobs. So that, that sort of trickled down to me in that I didn't know who was hiring me or what we were doing, what our plan was to broadcast anything. Um, and, you know, I feel very sad that my friends were out of work and and looking for something new and very scared for what it meant for the future of our sport, because I love this so much. Mm -hmm. And we all do. That's why I think you find all of us just try to sort of like get back on our feet and pick ourselves back up and start reaching out to these events and figuring out what can we cover? How can we cover it? What can we make into a live broadcast? What can we, you know, develop creative content for? Because no one wants it to die. Like Mm -hmm. no one wants this to go away. I, I am as much of a fan as I am an employee of the sport. So I just, I want to keep watching things and I want to keep participating and traveling the world and going to these events and stuff. So it was really, it was really hard, but it was also just kind of like uneasy, not Mm -hmm. knowing what was coming down the pipeline. Yeah. It seemed like it, it, I mean, obviously a lot of people lost their jobs and it was hard, but it seemed like it also created a lot of opportunity. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've what, 28 sanctioned events this year or this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of opportunity for, for the, the media folks and for even like, you know, local people. I know a lot of events are not reaching out to the people like me who've been doing this for a long time and are trying to employ local people, which is kind of cool too. So obviously I would would love to be at all of them, but I think it's neat to, to open it up and to work with other people and, Real, really for me, like my favorite people in the world are the people that I've had a chance to meet and work with on the media side of the sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, like my best friends and people I talk to every day, people I travel to see, like it is such a special group of people. So if we can, you know, bring a few more people into that family, I'd be cool with that. I think the thing that was hit the hardest by that whole thing was the open announcements. Like, I really <laughs> like the open announcements. Yeah. Those are a little rough, huh? <laughs> a little. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and but I gotta hand it to those gyms though. Like the people that took on the responsibility yeah. of doing that, like they had no direction, they had no money, they had no time, and like it, it takes us a year. Like the mm-hmm. weekend after games, 
we celebrate and then literally the planning committee goes right back to planning the next Mm -hmm. year of games so like for for those gyms to put on those tiny little broadcasts in even less time with even less prep with like no help i know it was rough but uh i'm still impressed you know there was just with you i missed i missed the the polished look of those and i like i always thought like it was fun watching dave announce the workout like his style of announcing it me too (laughs) so what sanctional events are you planning on going to this year and how does it work for you to get there or get hired by them yeah so it's it's funny it's become like i said it it used to be that like sean and and the group from hq would just kind of hire the big group of us because i was i'm one of a couple sideline reporters that have been doing this for a while and then they would just disperse us like okay there's four of you you go here for this regional and then you go here and you cover this at games and you cover that at games and now it's very much uh i'm a one-woman show so i've had to do just all my own marketing and reaching out to events and you know, sending emails and being like, Hey, I'm, I'm Nikki. <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> Do you want sideline at your event? Um, and seeing who kind of is interested, but it's been cool because I've been able to do other things recently as well. So I've been able to do more like, um, social media hosting. I, I edit and shoot all my own videos so I can help create content in that sense too. And it's let me get a little bit more creative, which has mm-hmm. been fun. I don't know if you answered this in there, but where, like, where, where are you planning on going this year? Oh, am I going this year? So <laughs> I, so uh, in December, beginning of December, sorry, I'll be at the Winter Classic in okay. um, Cleveland, which is a more of a community event. It's not a sanctioned event, but it's pretty big, and there's some games athletes that go and hang out, and it's all for charity, so that's really cool. And then literally like the day I get back to New England, I turn around and fly out that night for Dubai. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, though. So, yeah, it'll be busy, but it'll be a really fun way to wrap up the year. This will be my third year uh, with the Dubai CrossFit Championship, and it is so fun. I'm mm-hmm. so excited. Mm-hmm. I love it out there. Now, do you have, like, one specific interview that you did that, like, sticks out above the rest in CrossFit? Um, or, like, or who's your favorite person to interview? Yeah, Who gives um, you the best? There there are some really good ones. Um I think probably my like my favorite to date is like my, my first year at games. I interviewed Jacob Hepner, and he's just a great guy all around, and he's funny and he's smart and he's you know everybody did, loves him. Did you post that one the other day? Something about did that. I, I, he th- took I thought the I saw mic something about me. that, or maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe he took the microphone from me. Oh, he, he did. He like took it out of my hand and started <laughs> interviewing me. He was like, I mean, like, tell me. Do you think I did a good job? And I was like, oh my God. We were on ESPN that year, and I was like, what is happening to me right now? I was just thinking in my head, like, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Like, my one job is to run the interview. And he was like, yeah, yeah, all right. So, anyway, what do you think about? Um, but it was, it was hilarious, and it was like probably one of my favorite moments to date. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah he's it was a funny a good guy. Time. Yeah, he's, hilar- he's hilarious. He's a funny guy. Yeah, he really is. And then there were like other times where I had interviewed him after that where (laughs) to be like, okay, bro. So I actually kind of did get in trouble. So don't take the mic from me this time. (laughs) Thanks. So what's like your favorite part of being a sideline reporter? And like, I guess, why do you do it? Um, it's a great question. (laughs) Why do I do it? It's a lot of work. (laughs) My favorite part is just like having the chance to 
be a part of the community, like on the ground, like at the event, when it's happening, when it's most exciting and being able to tell the athlete stories because they are superhuman, like Terminator type beings that like can just do all these things that we can't do and they're so impressive to watch and then you talk to them and they're like real people with real stories and emotions and they're for the most part they're so normal and I think that is so cool to be able to give that perspective to the fans and the people who are watching and the the people who want to maybe even be like that someday like yeah Matt Fraser is the greatest of all time and will probably keep winning until he's 80 years old but like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you ever talk to the guy like he's a normal guy he's like the nicest guy yeah like he's nice and normal and he'll like he'll tell you how he trains and he'll tell you how he eats and he's just like regular and it's so cool it's he's so cool that that so is down a, to earth a thing. Yeah. yeah exactly i like that part yeah so the other day i was on the phone with this crazy old guy named john woolley ah he is <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how'd you get, so you're, you do a podcast with him now. Yeah. How did that whole thing come to be? I don't even know. (laughs) How did we even start? I met, okay. So I met John at winter classic last year Okay. and, um, no one even knew who he was yet. He was like still like shadowed. Still coming up. Yeah. Like masked by, uh, by his make wads great again, Instagram page. And he reached out and we were like, gonna do something together at winter classic. And it didn't even, it just didn't pan out. And then he got bigger, but we stayed in touch. I don't even remember like what the first podcast was that we did or how we even did it. He just was like, you want to talk about this? And we did. Mm-hmm. And it's been, excuse me, it's been like growing ever since. So do you guys like, go on together and interview people or do you like just talk to each other? What do you guys do? We've done a little bit of both. I think we would like to get more into interviewing people. It's a little bit hard just because we're not in the same place. Um, also I'm going to invest in some good podcasting gear. It's yeah. time as it's I like to look at my Apple headphones. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it sounds great. Um, but mainly we've just been talking to each other and it was kind of in the fallout of all the media stuff being like, what are we doing? What is the sport doing and how are we you know, creating content and talking about the things that matter. And it, it just was almost born out of that. It was like, cool. So we have the opportunity to get some of this information out there. It started with CrossFit news. That's what it was. We were like, things were coming out about people like popping on PEDs or more sanctioned events being announced. And we were just, we would just talk about it because we would lend just another perspective. And if, if you're anything like you know, like I am just a regular fan of the sport. Like mm-hmm. I consume all this shit. Like I listen to every podcast about CrossFit just cause I like, like it. I like yeah. to nerd out on it. Mm-hmm. So it was just another opportunity to get into that world. So you guys kind of, he's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's hilarious. He's something else. I know. <laughs> so you guys kind of like originally went kind of like what Tommy and Sean are doing, like more like CrossFit news. Yeah, kind of. That's how we started. And a lot of what we were talking about was stuff that we had heard on on Sean and Tommy's podcast on Talking Elite Fitness or things that were coming out on the Morning Chalk Up because there just aren't a lot of sources. So, you know, that information would come out and then I go to Reddit and like read the forums. And so it was just kind of another way to be uh, a conversation piece and, and, you know, allow people to chime in and figure out exactly what we're doing here. So has it changed? Like, are you guys doing things a little differently now or? 
during the open, we did a little bit more of our own, um, opinions on things. I mean, he's, he's very famous. Yeah, he <laughs> so is. He has a lot of followers and people are yeah. interested in what he has to say. I feel like I just kind of am like, yeah, and I'm here too. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so, so it, it grew a little bit to the point where we felt like we could now just talk about like what we think and what we feel. And we've been leaning into that a little bit more recently. And it, that's been really fun. I like that a lot. What's it like doing like a, I can't even imagine doing this, like a podcast with a co-host. Like if I had someone sitting here, I, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I bet you could. I bet you'd like it. Really? Yeah. Like, I guess if you had the, it'd have to be the right person. Like you'd have to feed off each other well. Yeah. You got to <clears throat> jive together and you got to like, you got to be cool with just going with the flow. I guess maybe people plan this shit. We obviously don't. We're kind of like, we like drink while we record and kind of just like see what happens. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe we could, we would plan it out better. You just have to like that person and just vibe yeah. with that person. Yeah. I had messaged him or we were talking like a couple days ago. I was like asking about things to ask you and he sent me like the most ridiculous stuff. Oh my god, like, of course you like, did. What I did can't, he send you? Like all this stuff like about like a bunch of stuff about like drinking and I'm like, I can't ask this stuff. <laughs> like Can you I send mean, me something he real? We will say it right out loud to me in the podcast. He'll be like, I mm. told him to ask about your basic bitch drinks. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> See? Yup. I do like a good basic bitch drink. <laughs> so So like outside of um you said like CrossFit sideline reporting is kinda like your side gig. What do you do full time? Oh, so I work, um, in marketing for an ad agency. So that's like my full-time gig is I'm, I'm an account person at a creative agency. So I'm the liaison between the agency and our clients. And a lot of my clients are like outdoor sport brands. Cause that's what I do and what I love. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to work kind of like within the space still. Um, and then I run like my own small company that's just like content creation and, um, digital campaigns and things like that because, sometimes a brand is too small and can't hire an agency, but still needs a little bit of help. So I like doing that stuff too. That's very, that's really cool. Yeah. So earlier you kind of talked about the climate of the media. Yeah. And I want to ask you about that because nobody trusts the media. Everybody has an agenda. Like everything is biased. Like has it always been like that or is that a new thing? I mean, it's, it's just so different now. Like it's heightened and everyone is so sensitive and like, I mean, it's hard to even like talk politics with anyone, right? Because every, every it's so polarizing. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to see how much of a nosedive journalism has taken because on the one hand, you're right. Like everyone has an agenda and everyone is driven by money and now everyone is driven by politics. And like, you just kind of have to be on the side that you want to win or you think is going to win. But on the other side, there's like, I know there's just a shitload of people like me who like got out of school and are just boots on the ground, like local news reporters who are just trying to tell the stories of their communities. And like, they're getting swept up in all the other bullshit and like, I never worked for an organization. Like, yes, I worked for ABC, but like I worked for ABC in Bangor, Maine. Like I wasn't in New York city. I wasn't like, you know, on the today show. Like I was just trying to like tell everyone about like the spaghetti dinner at the Knights of Columbus hall (laughs) next Friday that benefits the whatever hospital. Like that is the kind of work that I did. And I just feel bad for all those 
real hardworking boots on the ground reporters who are just trying to tell daily stories who are being swept up in the like, we hate the media and it's all fake news and whatever, whatever. Like those people are making minimum wage. Like it's not a glamorous job. They're busting their asses and they're just, they're getting shit on. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really glad I got out of it before then, but I feel bad for them. And do you think there's ever any changing it or any going back or do you think it's just only going to get worse? I mean, it'll, it'll unfortunately probably change as our political climate changes. I hope it gets better, but like, shit, I don't know. I mean, if we have new administration, like, is there going to be an upswing or is there going to be backlash or is there going to be, I don't know. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. It's a crazy it's, world. It kind of is. Like, I sometimes look at all the shit that's going on and I'm like, how did we even get here? Like, how did we let this shit happen? (laughs) (laughs) Good lord. Yeah. But I think everybody always says that. Like, it's crazy times. Things are crazy. I feel like every generation has always said that. No, you're totally right. So, yeah. So, kind of getting back on track, what does the future hold for you? You got a lot going on. What are you going to do in the future? What are your goals? Stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, I got a lot going on. You're right. Like, the end of this year is going to be crazy. I'm in talks with a handful of sanctioned events for the beginning of next year. I hope I get to go to all of them, (laughs) but it probably won't work out. So, my goal will just be to keep on keeping on um, and get to as many events as I possibly can in as many capacities as I can. Like, I love sideline reporting but not every event is big enough or has enough money for a live stream. So any way that I can continue to get involved, whether it's, you know, making social media content or doing video and editing on my own, I want to just kind of keep getting my name out there and getting involved in the sport and just making sure that as a community, like we don't let this cool, like media side of things die off because it's so neat. There's so many, there's so many things to see. There's so many stories to tell. Yeah, so there was a lot of like um, uncertainty heading into the games about how it was going to be covered. How mm-hmm. do you how do you think it was covered? Like, do you think people did a good job? Or yeah, I mean, I think that the people that I know that worked on the broadcast mm-hmm. worked their tails off, and it was you know way more last minute than it normally was because, yeah. like I said, we usually had a committee that started like the weekend after the previous year's games, and then everything with the World Feed got announced so late, and people were kind of scrambling to make it work. So. Um, you know, the Rogue show was unbelievable. They mm-hmm. really pulled it together. They had the best people on camera and behind the scenes, and it was wonderful. And the Morning Talk Up broadcast did a really, really good job. You know, and you talk about an organization that didn't have a ton of experience in live broadcasting, really pulling it together super well. I thought that was really cool. And then all the other, you know, kudos to the other countries who picked up the world feed and did things locally you know picked up the world feed but like had a desk show or picked up the world feed and gave commentary over it in other languages like that took some scrambling like we Mm -hmm. didn't even know about the world feed until a few weeks beforehand so they really made it work and really made it global and international and accessible and i was the only sideline reporter on all the feeds so no pressure (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i thought that um and to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back, like I had to pull things together pretty quickly too. And mm-hmm. I thought it ended up working out pretty smoothly for everyone. So I was glad we were able to do something that was so easily accessible. I miss the old ways. I mm-hmm. miss like the big production and all the trucks and all of my people getting together and doing it right. But yeah. I think I think we did a good job given mm-hmm. given our limitations this past year. And with all the changes CrossFit made, it seemed like they were taking a very like long-term view, like, 
with the national champions and the sanctions. Like that stuff's going to take time to build and it's going to take time to build CrossFit as a sport in other countries. Like, where do you see the sport of CrossFit going, say in 10 years? What do you think it's going to be? I might be biased because I love it so much, but (laughs) I just see it exponentially growing. Uh I mean, there's plenty of people that will say that like, this was the doomsday strike. And like, are we even going to have games in a couple of years? And like, I, to be honest, I don't know. I don't know about all of that, you know, logistical, the structure of the sport and the season and how that's going to go. But as a training methodology and as like a global force, I only see it getting stronger. Yeah. And if I feel like if you want to do something big and you want to take it to the next level, you have to be kind of like a disruptor and Greg Glassman is 100% not afraid to do anything. Totally. So I feel like sometimes you have to take a step back to take two steps forward. Yeah. And people don't like change, you know, like we didn't always have regionals. Like when sectionals changed into regionals, like people freaked out. And when regionals changed into sanctionals, like people freaked out. So like if people don't like change and eventually it'll feel like the norm and eventually there'll be a new change that everyone gets upset about. So I don't, I don't see it going away. I hope it doesn't, but I mean, I, I just, I want it to stay stronger and more global and more fun and more inclusive mm-hmm. from here on out yep. forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> <laughs> and Nikki, where can people find you and where can people learn more about you? Oh, um, I'm, well, you found me, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wherever on the internet. I'm, I'm at reporter Nicole on the gram and there's like links to my website and shit all there too. Awesome. Do you yeah. prefer Nikki or Nicole? I guess Nikki. Uh, Nicole sounds so formal. I guess I'm Nicole on the air. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. I'll respond to both. Say one out loud. I'll turn my head. <laughs> and your last name is Brazier, correct? Yeah, like Fraser with a B. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I yeah when I first heard it. Yeah, so. it's it's awesome because my husband is Matt Brazier. Oh, so really? people <laughs> like <laughs> people are like oh my did you say Matt Matt Fraser? I'm like kind kind of almost almost there. <laughs> close close very close well nikki thanks a lot for joining me and thanks a lot for making time yeah no thank you for having me this was really fun and thank you everyone for listening and i hope you enjoyed episode 105 of this show we'll see you next time on the up before you podcast have a great day